0: I invite you to plant your feet on the earth, slow down, tune in, and get ready to create a life of meaning and magic. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Wellpreneur podcast. This week, I'm talking with another real wellpruner running a successful wellness business online. I'm speaking with Summer Bach, who's a fermentationist and the founder of Guts & Glory, an online company that makes gut healing accessible and enjoyable. Her practice is based on the premise that good health starts in your gut. She's a trained herbalist with a background in microbiology. And Summer's a master at the why behind making habit changes and clears up the confusion around probiotics and fermented foods. You can learn more about her at summerbach.com. So in this conversation, we're talking about how Summer started her business, of course, kind of the ups and downs she went through as she got it going. And some of you will hear that although she has an online business now, she actually started by doing workshops in person, which is often the easiest way to get started. We're also talking about her own productivity routines, how she's grown her team, and of course, our favorite fermented foods. Now let's jump into our interview with Summer Bach. I know how much you guys love these real Wellpreneur interviews to hear behind the scenes of how people have actually grown their businesses online. So this is another great one, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. So let's dive in. Hi, Summer. Thanks for joining me on the show today. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. Summer, can we just start off? Could you tell people who aren't familiar with your work a little bit more about what you do? I know you call yourself a, a fermentationist and your business is called Guts and Glory, which is just fantastic, a really good name. So, can you just kind of give us a little overview of,
1: of what your business looks like? Absolutely. So, I primarily work with people in group programs online. I see some private clients, but the majority of the people I work with are going to be participating in either my gut rebuilding program. Or my fermentationist certification program. So it's nice, actually. It's helped me make my mission possible, which is to make gut healing accessible. Mm-hmm.
0: Now I'm curious. I'm always interested in the backstory when I speak to well When you first got started, when you were, I know you said you went. Um, it says on your website you went to IIN and and done different types of training. Did you know you wanted to talk about fermentation, or is that something that evolved over time?
1: That evolved. That piece, I wasn't totally clear about in the beginning. In the beginning, I was mostly teaching people how to do cleanses. I actually still run a cleanse about once a year That's that I love. I love, I love when people do cleanses. <laughs> they get such good results. And I was doing that. But then, you know, just like a lot of people who end up in this industry, it's because we have our own healing journey that we're on. And well, it's not everybody, but it's a lot of people, right? And so... As I was on my own healing journey, I reached this point where I was like, okay, I'm ready for the next level of healing, right? I've got to figure this out. Like I was still really struggling with allergies. I still was feeling really fatigued and having panic attacks and things like that, even though I knew how to eat healthy and I knew how to help other people eat healthy and I knew how to help them have all these breakthroughs. It was really crazy. So I started taking probiotics and that kind of led me to this question of well, how did my ancestors get probiotics in their diet? What's the whole food form of probiotics? And that's where I discovered lacto fermented foods, and I, you know, I started making them myself. I actually started my own sauerkraut company because I would make so much of it. And in that process, a lot of people were like, "How do you make that? Teach me how to make that." So I, I just started teaching it. And over time, I mean, this is a this is an ancient tradition. Learning how to make and preserve foods through fermentation. And some of it's actually pretty easy, but in our society today, the challenge is that we've been taught that germs are really scary. So I teach a lot about how to, not only how to ferment foods, but the science behind it, what kinds of bacteria are present, any concerns or considerations or possible you know situations that you need to worry about as you're fermenting these things. And I really go heavy into the science. I want my fermentationists as they go through this program, I really want them to feel confident to go out and teach this when it's going against the grain, like it really is, it goes against what our society teaches in terms of our relationships with bacteria. And that's evolving right now, but it's been really fun to be a part of that dialogue and it, it really it has changed. but I still have I still have a focus. well actually, let me, let's put it this way, with this interest in fermented foods, it actually helped me get focused more into gut health and digestion to the point where that's really what I focus on. Like when people come to me, they're coming to me with digestive issues.
0: Yeah, and we'll talk about that more definitely. Like having that focus in your business, which is something you don't always necessarily have when you're first starting out. But over time, it really helps to develop that expertise in one area because it just kind of focuses everything you're doing. But before we talk about business, I'm just so curious, what's your favorite fermented food?
1: My favorite is probably right now, Either kimchi or I made this nettle turmeric kraut the other day. Yes. Yeah. Mm, lacto ferments, like veggie lacto ferments. Those are my favorite because they don't have any allergens for the most part. You know, I mean, there's they're, they're just one of the simplest foods to make that's, that have probiotics in them. Mm-hmm.
0: So I was um. I normally have been living in London and I was just making sauerkraut. Like I always had sauerkraut on the go because I love it. But now I'm living in Hong Kong and we're just eating kimchi. Well, which isn't from Hong Kong, but it's from South Korea, which is nearby. And there's kimchi everywhere. It's so delicious. So I haven't tried to make that but
1: yet, but I need to. <laughs> you should get someone to teach you how to make it like that's where you're at now. Because how they're going to make it there is likely slightly different than what you would learn in the US. Mm, mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I should do that. I've also thought like in London where I was making sauerkraut, I could leave it out. It would need to take like 10 days to be ready because it was so cold there leaving it on the counter. Whereas here it's really hot. So I think it's going to be like Mm -hmm. a whole different beast fermenting this thing, you know, in this temperature, but.
1: Well, and that temperature is why they use so many chili flakes because the chili flakes are going to inhibit the growth of pathogens and it's going to speed up the growth of the lactobacillus. So A lot of times kimchi is a shorter ferment.
0: Oh, right. Cool. I've got to find someone to teach me. I was just in South Korea too. So I totally should have taken a kimchi making class, but next time. Anyway. Okay.
1: So what were you doing before you started your business? I actually graduated high school and had no idea what I was going to do. I had no plans to go to college. I didn't really understand the concept of college. (laughs) I was like, really? uh, School's done. So I took a break for a while and just kind of, you know, did my own thing, party a little too hard and just kind of waited until something landed for me, you know, like until something felt right. And so I ended up studying herbal medicine just through a lot of different opportunities and things that came my way. I was like, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to do that. So I studied herbal medicine and that was awesome. It was a full-time year long program. The school doesn't exist anymore. It was in New Mexico and it was really fascinating. And so that was like a really big point in my path that started this process and i decided as soon as i got done with that i was like you know what i really want to go to college i really want to learn the science behind this like i want to know why do these herbs work you know so i actually went to college in pre med with a desire to be a doctor i was like okay i'm just going to do this and learn all this this is going to be great and then i got to my last class and i realized i was in organic chemistry and i was getting sick i was really like my health was not not good at this time and um uh, my digestive issues and my gut-based issues were the worst they've ever been at that point. And it was mostly from the stress. And so there was kind of two things going on. I was like, you know, I could go be a doctor and it's going to be even more stressful than this. That sounds horrible considering my physical condition right now. And also I had this, just, it felt like a like I ran into a brick wall. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to write prescriptions. I don't want to write prescriptions. And that's really what it came down to. It was just this clarity. I don't want to write prescriptions. It's just not for me. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, I went to IIN, Columbia University, like figured out how to like kind of veer away from that and focus more on people who want to be healthy without using pharmaceuticals. And that was great. I mean, that was that was really the deciding factor. And in that moment, I pretty much went another route.
0: How long have you had your website now, Guts and Glory, and this this kind of iteration of your business that you're doing now?
1: Well, Guts and Glory, it's, it's kind of located still at summerbach.com. That website has been around for a very long time, actually, since 2009. We just looked back at the, late, at the latest blog post on that website. It's 2009.
0: Wow. And when you started that, was it like as a business or you just started blogging to share what you were learning or like how, how did you come to be online with all of this?
1: That's actually a great question because I really didn't start this as a blogger. I started out broke. I had no money. You know, I just gone to college on my own dime, had to take out loans in the process, work study, you know, really trying to make it happen. And when I graduated college, I had to figure out a way to make money. And I didn't want to work for other people. I was done with that too, cuz I just felt like you would go work somewhere and you'd have to go along with somebody's vision and I wasn't impressed with people's standards. I was like, let's make things better. Like I have such a huge desire to constantly problem solve and make things better. And I think that's why I'm good as an entrepreneur. I think that's really what meshes my personality really well with the path that I've chosen. And so I started from the very beginning trying to figure out how to support people, help people, problem solve people's health while trying to make money. And so for me, I didn't feel like I had the luxury to give out a ton of free information. I mean, that's just where it was for me. You know what I mean? I'm just being honest. And I know some people start their careers blogging and things like that, but I didn't. I couldn't make time to blog if it wasn't going to get a return. And a lot of times people don't get a return immediately on blogging in the very beginning. That usually takes a while to kind of build that audience. So I started out really teaching classes locally and anything that I posted on my blog At first, it was just, it it wasn't really big posts or anything like that. A lot of times it was announcements for the classes that I was teaching or announcements for the cleanse that I was leading, things like that. I might put a couple content pieces here and there, but I kind of relied heavily on promotion at the beginning because I had to get myself out there and I had to figure out how to make a living. So yeah, my story isn't quite the same as other people's, I think, but it, it was interesting. It was very hard at first, but I just started teaching classes like crazy everywhere i could a free class a paid class it didn't matter just my main goal at every class was to get everybody's email address and i just got better and better and better at figuring out ways for people to fill out the eval form and entice them to fill out their the you know it, it put their email address in there so that i could build my list and that's really how i started my business
0: mm-hmm. i see a lot of volunteers that look at people that are further along and they see that they've got these online programs and this amazing community and this big email list. And they think, oh, well, I'll just put up a website and people will come. <laughs> and and right. it doesn't really work like that, especially now because the space is so crowded. And so thank you for sharing that. You just needed to get out there and start working with people in person and talking to people and getting yourself in front of people. And, and that can build your online business like it did with you. You don't have to only talk to people online in order to eventually have a business online?
1: I think people were a lot of, you know, mentors and business coaches and things like that were always blown away when I would tell them kind of like my percentage of buyers on my list, because I knew 70% of the people on my list in person, I had met them for a long period of time. I mean, not at this point, uh, that number is smaller. But I mean, it it was pretty amazing. I mean, I remember I had a list of 1200 people and was able to make a decent amount of money. You know, and most people say that you'd be lucky <laughs> to really have a, a thriving business with 1,200 people on your list. Well, and you I, I did really connection. well. Yeah, you had that connection. Exactly.
0: And I think that's what we talk about a lot in online marketing is like building that no like and trust factor, right? To build up that relationship, and the fastest way to do that actually is to meet people in
1: person. So fast, and and to teach in person, and to like, you know, I, I love teaching. I love the opportunity for people to learn. And when I'm in a room and I'm like in charge of that room for that hour or that hour and a half, I absolutely wallow in it. Like I love it. <laughs> and a part of why I love it is because I know that I get to take those people on a journey and I know that I have to kind of build their own trust just in that moment. I'm not even thinking about later. I'm not thinking about where this is going to go. I'm just thinking about, okay, for this next hour or hour and a half, How is this going to go for them? And how can I have them walk away from this and just be like, okay, I get it. I know how to ferment or I know how to do this cleanse or I know how to, you know, whatever it is that we are focusing on. I want them to feel really, really confident at the end of that. And so I think that is one skill that I'm good at. That's something like I've been aware of. And it's not just that I'm good at, I enjoy it, right? I really love being around people in that capacity because I'm at my fullest. It's me using my strengths. I love to help people. I love to problem solve you know, and I love the group vibe. I love how they support each other. And I know that they're going to go out after that and help each other figure out how to do this in their everyday lives. So that all really feeds me. And so I know that me getting out there in that way as much as possible is better for my business. And my business is primarily online now. And so I've switched over to teaching more webinars, but I still hold that same kind of energy And think about the group in that same way when I'm leading a webinar. And I couldn't have done that. Like, I wouldn't be able to teach a webinar how I do today had I not had the experience of being in a room and feeling and looking at everybody's faces and knowing that that information was actually landing for them. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people want to skip ahead and just do the online thing. And I think they're missing the fact that, like, you never got a chance to fail in front of a whole room of people, which I've done. Like I used to go to these classes, I'd have notes, my fingers would be shaking and my papers would be all wrinkly on the edges. And I would be like up there reading from my script in front of 12 people, like humiliated, you know, because I just didn't have the confidence to set the paper down and just teach what I knew. And that was really hard. Like that was a hard part of it. So I got to watch them kind of like walk away disappointed or sort of like some of them would be like, you did a good job, like try to make me feel better. And then other people would write on the evals. That was a waste of my time. And they didn't even pay for the class. I've been through that. And I think once you've been through that, and you know what doesn't work, and then you get, you just don't stop. And you keep going and you see what works until finally, like I've I've taught in front of a room of hundreds of people, but I remember specifically this group of like 70, it was a seven, at least 70 people. It was a free class at a grocery store. And I nailed it. And I know I nailed it because I could feel it in the room. There were a couple of people in there that were disruptive. I handled it. I kept the group cohesive. They all walked away with the information. And that was a crucial experience. What for you, what makes a good workshop? Mm. Well, I think engagement is really important. But for me personally, it's just feeling that balance between what I'm (laughs) spewing out, you know, like I'm talking nonstop during these things. And so it's a balance between my ability to like share all this information and the participants ability to absorb it. And when I strike the balance, that's a really good workshop where they're able to absorb everything you're saying, you're not going too detailed you're not getting them glazed over because you're teaching something that's way outside of the scope or you're not dumbing it down enough to make it boring and making them be like, yeah, I already know this. Okay. That's so obvious.
0: It is so such a balance, isn't it? To be Because it's like yeah. a workshop is not just like a monologue of you standing up there talking. You've got to also be quite perceptive of just what you said. How's it landing on the audience and at what level do you need to be talking? And I think When you find that, you're exactly right. That's when you know that it's more than you just giving a speech, for example. It's you've actually really taught them and empowered them and inspired them. And that's so motivating.
1: It translates through your whole business, too, because that ability to hold that conversation at the right level all the time is what determines engagement at every level of your company.
0: But that's not something that you can, you know, hit out of the park right away, right? That takes, it takes a while, I guess, to get to know your audience and to know how, how do you talk about these issues in the best way?
1: There are very few people who hit it out of the park on the first try. And a lot of the people we see who, quote unquote, do hit it out of the park, they've had a lot of experience with business in the past. So they came into their new iteration of a business understanding their customer really, really well, knowing directly how to speak to them. So yes, for most people, myself included, it takes a lot. It takes a lot of trial and error. It takes a lot of figuring. Definitely just getting to know who the people are that you're talking to.
0: What was it like when you were thinking about creating your first online program? Because I know that's something that a lot of coaches out there want to do. Maybe they're working with clients one-on-one or they're doing some things in person. And everyone has this idea of like, oh, passive income, right? Like I'll just create an online program and it will sell all the time. So, but you know, that idea is sounds so easy, but then people tend to really get stuck around it. So, what was it like for you when you were putting your first program online?
1: Well, first of all, I have not personally found any sort of passive income in my business. I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> I don't know what that means. And if anybody really truly knows what that means and they want to teach me, feel free to come find me and teach me how I would gladly learn. But I also, I don't, I don't view it that way. I'm not trying to work less or get paid for sitting around. I'm really trying to provide value to the world, and that when I focus on the value that I'm trying to create for my customers, that's when I really feel in alignment. That's when I feel good about the products and the programs that I'm creating. And the first time I actually did this, I was really nervous. It was I called it my nutrition geek detox because I really loved working with people who had that nerdy vibe around learning about nutrition. I still do. That's like, those are my favorite people to talk to and work with. And so the Nutrition Geek Detox was, I want to say like, I think I I charged $197 for it. And I would have to go back and look exactly, but I got somewhere around, I think, 17 people to join. And, you know, so I made like around a little over $3,000, which was awesome. Like, I'm so excited. (laughs) And I remember because I made the web page myself, I inserted the PayPal button in there myself. I did everything all by myself. I made the documents. I taught the classes. And I think the challenge in all of this was that there was the majority of the people taking this, not all, but the majority were people in my town because they had met me teaching classes. I struggled with that at first because I couldn't understand why I wasn't just teaching it locally. Why am I not just teaching it there? People want that. They like that. So there was a huge transition in that first round of teaching that class where I really had to just be okay with the, the discomfort of the fact that there was people probably like a mile away sitting in their house listening to the call while I'm leading it, but Over time, I realized, and after doing this multiple times, first of all, my goal became really clear. One was that I wanted to be online because I did want that accessibility. My network was increasing all over the country and in some places all over the, I mean, in different countries too at this point. And so I was meeting people and they're like, oh, I want to learn from you. And so at that point, I realized like they're not going to be able to come over to my house or meet me at an office or somewhere. Being online is going to make it possible for me to work with more people in the long run. And I honestly, even though I love teaching to a group of people, one-on-one was always really awkward for me. Like one-on-one coaching was super awkward because I'm kind of like the person that wants to pace around and like be really fidgety. I had a hard time with just one-on-one. I always felt really glued to the chair and like my brain wasn't working because I was just like sitting there trying to like not fidget the whole time. And
0: <laughs> I'm so glad you said that because I think there's this expectation that, you know, oh, you're just supposed to work with people one on one or maybe that can be your most expensive premium offering. But like you're saying it just never worked for you. So, you know, we don't necessarily need to do that.
1: I work with a few clients like I mean, I have always have at least a few people I'm working with one on one, but I don't have a program for them. I just charge them per session. I break all the rules about that. Because it is more expensive because I just don't have a lot of time. I want to be devoting to that because it takes away from my bigger mission. But it's there because there are certain people that I know are having a really strong connection with me. And I'm, I know that we're going to we need to work together for whatever reason. So it's still available. But yeah, I mean, now I do it through you know, through the computer, through video streaming. And I don't worry about fidgeting. (laughs) I just sit there and fidget. I, you know, I just do my thing at this point, but to answer your question and kind of get back to this, you know, I had to get some clarity around why I wanted to do it. And then I kind of had to stick to my guns because there were some people who really did reflect back. Well, why, you know, I think it would have been better to do this in person. So I heard that feedback during my first online program, but then there were other people who were like, that was great. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad I did that. I wouldn't have been able to do this because I live far away. Mm -hmm. I'm really excited. I I got to do that. So it's, here's the thing. Some people act like, you know, you read testimonials on people's websites. And so you assume that these people only get positive feedback.
0: (laughs) Totally not true.
1: Yeah, it's not true. There's a lot of critical people in the world. I'm a critical person. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm looking at things with a critic's eye and how we can always make things better. So when I get feedback, I always understand that that's where a lot of people are coming from there. It's not a negative thing. But as a business owner, you have to learn how to sift through that. And you have to pick out the feedback that's going to serve you and help you move forward. And you have to pick the feedback that just isn't relevant because it's not where you're going. And sometimes you can't separate that. Yeah, go ahead. I think that's
0: really important because basically that, you know, the story you told about that you could have done this program in person because people were local, but you did it online. That's like you're setting a boundary for yourself based on your vision of where your business is going and where you want to go to. And I think that comes up a lot as our businesses are growing. And it's not just, you know, it's things like that. It's things like the fact that maybe somebody has to go to an, through an assistant first before they can talk to you, or you only do client calls on certain days and people are going to complain about that. But I think like what you've illustrated so well is that if you have some vision of where you're going, you need to start
1: creating that.
0: You can't just do what everybody wants, like be available when everybody wants you to be available and work in the way that they want.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think you just said that perfectly, honestly.
0: Oh, thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay. So I totally want to shift gears here because we've, you know, we've got like five minutes left or so. I also wanted to ask you about being a wellpreneur. So we are wellpreneurs in the fact that we work in wellness, but also hopefully we are well entrepreneurs, right? We hope Mm -hmm. so that we can walk our talk. So I'm curious if you could share a bit about your routine, like, do you have a morning routine? How do you make sure you're really set up to make the most of your day? And, and what's your workday like?
1: Yeah. So I'll tell you the things that are working <laughs> that I figured out. And then I'll tell you a couple of things that I'm still working on yeah. that I'm still trying to figure out. So the things that are working really well is that I actually have a few assistants. And one of my assistants is my calendar manager. Like her job is to manage my calendar down to every minute of every day. And I have really strong boundaries and really clear rules with her. And we meet every Monday. I mean, and of course we're in contact on a regular basis whenever she needs to reach out. But every Monday we meet and we go through my entire week calendar and I make sure that everything is clear, like that everything makes sense, that I know all the things that are going on because I wake up in the morning and i just look at my calendar and i do everything on my calendar i do i mean like she sets it and i do everything that it says and that works best for me i really struggle with scheduling for myself and i struggle with time management and i struggle with knowing how long things are going to take so i've really used the skills of really detail oriented very organized people to help me get better at those things in my business
0: do you mean more than just meetings and and appointments and interviews like this so is she actually scheduling time like work on this creating this new program for these two hours. Is it that? Yes.
1: Have? Wow. It is. She's not managing every task because I am the CEO. And so there's a lot of tasks that I have to manage on my own. But for example, yesterday, there's two really big things in my calendar. One was to update the fermentation of certification handbooks because they're due this Friday. So when my business manager needs something, she gets, you know, Lisa to put it in my calendar and make sure that like, I'm aware of the deadline and that they have a block in there for me to do that work. So I'm not scheduled super crazy. I mean, I'm a busy person, but every day from nine to 11, I have off. And that time is when I go work out or I just chill or I, you know, whatever. So I get up early, I eat breakfast really early. And then I try to eat lunch every day at 11, 11 a.m. And so at 11 a.m., I eat lunch and then I start my meetings at 1130 usually. So it's just nice. Like I've worked with her to be like, you need to block everything, get all my interviews tight and together, give me as much blocks of time where I'm doing the same thing as possible. So she's managing that. And that has been fantastic in terms of me creating time for myself. I mean, otherwise, my, my schedule would be ruled by my work. It has been in the past. There's times where I worked every day without a day off for like six to eight months. There's times when I worked too hard. And at this point in time, I learned that I can only do so much each day. So I feel inspired to actually wake up and get as much as I can done. Because on Friday, usually Friday afternoon, I'm done and I don't resume work again until Monday morning. And I really don't. I mean, unless I have a conference, my computer is shut. I don't even open it. I don't want to open it. I'm like, we're done. I really try not to text anybody on my team for any reason. Like I try to give everybody that respect of like, we're taking the weekend off. We have our own lives too. So those are two big rituals I think that I have in my company to make things work well. And then the thing that I'm still figuring out is like kind of writing time, just kind of the the time where I want to actually be creative. That's a little bit harder because it's a different framework than, you know, CEO. Mm -hmm. So figuring out writing time is challenging for me. But I recently hired a new personal assistant who comes and meets me every morning at 7 a.m. And so we usually do work from 7 to 9 every morning. And that for me is a new ritual that I kind of have in place because I really have struggled with like when to go to work. What time should I start work? Because I'll be honest, I'm a little bit lazy in the mornings. I just want to stay in bed and cuddle like who doesn't. And when you work for yourself, you know, you can let certain things slide. And I just feel like things are so important right now. Like, I love what I'm doing. My business is growing very quickly. The programs that I'm offering, we're constantly upgrading them, updating them. We're always focused on providing better value for our customers. And we're really seeing the return on that right now. And so I feel really motivated. But, you know, I can't think of that motivation when I'm laying in bed, when it's kind of chilly in the air and I'm cuddling in the morning. Like, what? (laughs) That's hard. That's hard. So I now have my assistant come meet me at seven and we just start to work. So that's one way I've been trying to figure out how to get myself out of bed and make sure I'm up and working and getting some stuff done before I work out so that I can actually, like eventually that's going to be my writing time. You know, we'll get in our groove, me and my assistant, and then She'll get what she needs from me. I'll talk with her and then we'll set aside time where she's going to work on what she works on and I'm going to sit there and do my writing.
0: It's so being in tune with your own habits and your own preferences and what works best for you. And I I think a lot of people struggle with this in terms of productivity because you read about other people's systems. Like, you know, these crazy complex systems or habits that people have and that might work for them, but it doesn't necessarily work for you. And so what I love about what you just explained is you are you know that it's hard for you to get out of bed in the morning. So by having somebody show up at your door, you're going to do it. And I think that that's brilliant because you're basically putting a system in place to make sure that you're going to succeed. And I think that people just want to copy something that's already working, but I
1: don't think it's always that simple. You kind of have to look at yourself, too, and see what's going to work for you in your life. It's never been that simple for me. Copying doesn't work because my body is what my body is and so I my brain works the way it works. And the more I've learned and gotten clear and being really honest with myself about how I work, absolutely the better I'm able to function. I mean even that 9 to 11 block where I work out, just having that on my calendar literally gives me the breathing room every single day to not be overwhelmed. I love it, right? Like and I learned that about my it took me a long time to learn that. And I honestly Still have to hold that boundary really clear with my team because if I don't, they'll be like, "How about we schedule somebody at eleven or I mean at 1045. And I I'm like, "No, no, no!" Like I like try to don the Darth Vader voice and be like, "No," because it, 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 it's mine. And also, just eating at the same time every day has been super helpful because my health is important. I mean, my health is so integral. Like if I showed up at a conference, like. 50 pounds overweight and uncomfortable in my own skin, then how am I like, who am I to teach what I'm teaching? You know, I mean, and it's not, I'm not trying to make it about weight by any means. I'm just trying to say like, if I'm not actually showing that I put my self care at the top of my priority list, who am I to, t- to say that I teach other people to do that? Yeah,
0: I think that's something we have to be so careful about working in wellness is not that you have to be perfect because no one's perfect. And mm-hmm. I think clients actually relate to you when you share that it's not always easy, but that you need to show that you're doing it. You're having these habits and you're adjusting and actually walking your talk. <laughs> or, why or at I, least what trying, trying to. Yeah, trying to. <laughs> and you fall off. You know, this is the thing about life balance. It's like you just figure out, the balance that works and then something shifts and then you kind of have to figure it out again. And I think it's, at least for me, it's always been, it's just always evolving, but you have to be, you know, make it a priority. Like you said,
1: I redo my schedule. Like I sit down with my assistant every three months and we look at my schedule. Cause if I go four months, everything starts to slip. I start not showing up to things. I start being late because something has shifted in my life that I need to get in my calendar. So it is you're right. It's like you constantly are tweaking it and you can never give up on it. Like I think people are often looking for that, like you mentioned earlier, passive income. Passive income is a really great analogy for people's desires to just plug and play for them to just sit back and things just do like, you know, play out without them having to do much. And and people want that for their health. I work with people all the time who are motivated and yet secretly still they want the one thing that's going to fix it all and the truth is it's it's not how it works you are dedicating your life your energy to the things that you care about it's as simple as that and so if you care about your health you're going to dedicate some of your energy to your health if you care about helping other people and you want to you know have a business that does that and you know and you value your time enough to make money to support yourself to do this work then you want to set aside time to do that and and really put energy towards that it's not it's not a plug and play you're always tweaking you're always adjusting and hopefully you'll always be working towards that because it's it's fun it's a really rewarding part of life and i have to say like when i started out years and years ago doing this work i was in such a different place than i am now like it's night and day like i really was struggling it was very very hard at first i worked really hard to make this work i mean i did I mean, I bootstrapped the entire time. It was not fun. And I'll admit it. You know, I remember being stressed out from it. I remember waking up in the panic attacks in the middle of the night. How am I going to pay a bill or whatever? Like, it wasn't easy for me. And I was doing it all by myself. And there's finally a point where things clicked. You know, I worked enough. I figured out enough. I mean, most of it was my own, like, mental growth, my own mindset that I had to shift to really be open to how things could be. Like I had to learn a new way of, of functioning in order for my business to start working better. Can you tell us a bit about that? Like,
0: what do you think was the mental shift that, that made it click?
1: Honestly, it was a really new awareness to me that other people weren't struggling financially like I was. I kind of assumed that everybody was struggling financially because I always had. And so I didn't realize that there was actually a lot of people out in the world that were okay spending money on my stuff. And it wasn't going to break the bank. It wasn't going to be a stressful situation for them. The major shift and the major moment for me was when I decided that I would not take on clients who them spending that money would put them in a greater state of distress because that wasn't going to help their 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 wellness for them to become financially strapped and stressed even more financially. It meant that they were looking at my program or my product as like the end all be all, the lifesaver, the thing that's going to help them. And, you know, on some level it might, but their financial stress is still going to take them down no matter how much perfect gut rebuilding foods they eat. Stress has a bigger impact on the health of your gut than the food you eat. I think that's really important. And when I learned that, it just helped me. You know, I had this moment yesterday. It was funny because I've had people ask me, you know, do you do scholarships or I can't afford this? Can you offer me a discount? And right now, I, I just I always say no to that right now because it's really complicated. I either give something away for free and just give it to somebody and let them participate. But and most of the time you have to be careful. I do, at least because when I do that, sometimes they don't. They, they don't feel the self-worth enough to actually receive the gift. Mm-hmm. There's a few people who will. And I, I, I try to, you know, when I can really, when I feel like it's one of those people, yeah, sometimes I will do that. I'll be like, here's, you can, you're, you're, in, here's the program, take it, you know, but then I, in my everyday life, like I want the freedom to be able to go to the farmer's market and like help my farmer's wife, you know, with her gut health. And I sat and did a consultation like a couple months ago with the people I buy my CSA from. And he's like, you know, my wife, she's got all these digestive issues. And I was like, how about we do a consultation right here, right now? <laughs> she's like okay and so i sit down with her i mean they don't have a lot of money okay you know i'm not going to put them through my program it doesn't feel right to be like why don't you take gut rebuilding online with me they no mm-hmm. so i just sat down and did a consultation for no i didn't need anything from it you know and yesterday i was at the farmers market again and she came up and gave me a hug and she was like i just wanted to let you know everything you recommended has helped so much and i'm like yes oh my gosh So, those are kind of the sweet moments. You know, it's like I really choose, like in terms of mindset stuff, it's like it was a moment where I said, okay, I'm going to really accept that there are people out here who have disposable income to pay for my services. And I'm not going to put people in a financially stressful situation. And then, so when I encounter people who it just feels right for me to work with in the moment, they feel receptive to what I'm going to offer and they're not going to push back. You know, I'll offer it, I'll do what makes sense, I'll feel it out. And that has been the balance that has helped me really like relax into the success of my company.
0: I'm curious if you could go back and talk to yourself when you said you were like,
1: you know, hustling
0: really hard and stressed out and trying to make it happen. If you could go back and give yourself some advice, what would you tell yourself?
1: I would be like, keep it up. (laughs) (laughs) I I thought you were going to
0: say chill out.
1: (laughs) No, because I didn't have the skill set in place where chill out would have actually helped me grow my company at that point it wouldn't have.
0: So you like, needed that time where you were really learning
1: and trying things and, and getting all of those skills. Yes. The, I was gaining skills in the process that I didn't have. And so if I had relaxed, I had the skill of how to sit back and not do anything. Like I already knew how to do that. I'm pretty good at that. If you told me to like shut my computer and go hang out on the boat today, I would be down. Like, yes, let's go do that. That sounds great. I don't struggle with like the sit back you know, it was, it was the skill for me was learn how to sit in there and make it to the finish line and not give up before the finish line. So that's the skill that I developed during that time. It was confidence. It's like high quality, quality, satisfaction in my work and knowing where that line is like, okay, this is good. I'm happy with this. I'm ready to present this to the world. And at first I really wasn't presenting the most beautiful things. And I had, there was a lot of humility in that because I couldn't afford a designer. I couldn't afford people to help me with this. And so, so there's a ton of humility and like, Hey, everyone, here's my funny looking thing that has some really good information in it. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I'm really proud of those skills. And I think that that has taken me to where I'm at today. So I would, I would tell my old self do exactly what you did because it worked.
0: That's awesome. Cool. Thank you so much, Summer, for being so open with us and sharing your journey. Can you tell us where people can find you if they'd like to get in touch or learn more about your programs? Sure. My,
1: my main website is summerbock.com and it's B-O-C-K, like the beer. Basically my name is a fermented food. It's a beer. <laughs> and I also have info at fermentationist.com. So there's some really good articles over there for folks that want to learn more about fermented foods. Gutrebuilding.com is you know, about my program that I talked about that a lot of my folks run through with, with digestive issues. And yeah, I mean, if, if people like, if there's wellness practitioners who kind of want to hear a little bit more about what I, how I've done better with my coaching, um, like with my actual like process of getting clients and things like that, I did make a PDF because a lot of people ask me this question. So I made a PDF that's at, it's at the resources club.com forward slash resources. So and it's called Behind the Curtain, the step-by-step process I use to get my close rate to 80%. So I think that would be helpful for anybody who's kind of like wanting to hear some business style tips on that side of it.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. We'll put the links to that in the show notes. And I'm sure you're going to get lots of people signing up for that one. So thank you so much for sharing.
1: And yeah. For I mean, I think I've really enjoyed this. Thanks for asking these questions. This is, I don't get to talk about this stuff every day. So I really appreciate it. Thanks.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Wellpreneur podcast. As always, the main place to go to get more information is wellpreneuronline.com, where you can read the show notes and get the links to everything we discussed. Also, you'll want to check out our Facebook group, which is called the Wellpreneur Wellness Marketing Mastermind Group, where there's over 1,200 wellpreners in that group every single day talking about our businesses and our lives and our marketing, and of course, the podcast episodes. So if you haven't yet, come over and join us there. Okay, have a fantastic week, and I'll see you back here next week in the next episode.